irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to The Horse Ownership Experience with Billy Koch and Michelle Yu, right here on LA Talk Radio. Midnight Storm, a brilliantly fast grade one winner by Pioneer of the Nile. Mike Smith just points him in the right direction. Midnight Storm dominating. Millionaire and seven-time graded stakes winner on dirt and turf. Midnight Storm over accelerators, finding the line well, but not well enough. And Midnight Storm has taken it by two lengths. From America's hottest sire line. Midnight Storm, he wins it this year. Midnight Storm. Standing at TaylorMade Farm. Horse ownership experience is brought to you by TaylorMade Farm. Midnight Storm, his babies are turning heads. I know one was bought for 59000 topped the sale. I think it was day eight or nine at Keeneland. Kerry Brogdon bought this uh, colt by Midnight Storm. Call Travis White, 859-396-3508, and book your mare today to Midnight Storm or California Chrome. Michelle Wish. Who am I forgetting, Michelle? Not this time. Not this time. Not this All- time. All at Taylor Made Stallions. I'm Billy Koch. I'm the founder and managing partner of Little Red Feather Racing Club. I uh, am a little horse today. I celebrated a big birthday every <laughs> weekend. A little Michelle. horse, get it? Yes, a little horse. Joining me, as always, is the great Michelle Yu. Michelle, how you doing today? How was your weekend? Uh, my weekend was super busy. Uh, I'm sad I didn't get down to make it for your singing, although I saw videos and I'm kind of glad I didn't because you were horrific, Billy. Uh, I get no, I gave myself like a B minus. <laughs> you know, I was no, like a B you minus. Was it fun? It was really fun. It was a great experience. Do you wish uh, you were a professional singer? No. I have great respect for guys because I sang for about 45 minutes. We did eight songs. And by about the fourth song, my voice was just toast. I can barely. You know, the problem is you sing with your throat and you need to sing from your diaphragm. Right. Well, I am not a professional singer, nor do I want to be. I will never do that again. It was so (laughs) one night only. And that's it. What was the best song that you, what was the song that you feel like you killed? Like good, like it would be like your go-to karaoke. I think song there was there time. was the two most popular songs that we did was um, "Raspberry Beret" by Prince and "Plush" by Stone Temple Pilots that I did with your boy Travis Red Dragon, and uh, it was a lot of fun. And I think those songs were the two the two best songs. Uh, I also did. Uh, Calif- I did not. Yeah, the, I heard California Dreamin'. Yeah, and California. I heard um, "Living on a Prayer." No, I no, I did not get to hear that one. Uh, but can you reenact that one? No, I am not singing anymore, no, and my voice you can tell is terrible. But listen, we have a great show. We're gonna be done talking about my idiotic birthday party. Um, Don Chatlos is gonna join us, and if you're listening now, stay tuned because we're going through the history. I can tell you right now. The question I am most asked in horse racing, in my own personal horse racing journey, is what happened to Don Chatlos? So we are going to find out. The the you know uh, trainer of Singletary, he's back on the map. He's training for OXO here in Southern California. Had a huge winner over the weekend in Monday. 
I forgot her last Monday name. Monday call. Monday. What is it? Monday call. Monday call. Monday call. So we are going to we're going to talk to Donnie. We're going to find out all about his history, what brought him back to Southern California, and it's going to be a very very cool uh, uh, interview coming up in about ten minutes. But has he I ever know, owned a horse? Has Don ever owned a horse? Yes, yeah, he owned he owned a quarter of Singletary. Oh, did he? Yes. Oh, great. Yeah. I love that. Oh, good. Um, I no. do. I I don't think I've ever like officially met Don Chatlos, but like I follow him on social media, so I'm privy to his. He definitely lays it out there on social media, right? Yes, he does. But one thing he likes to do is talk about food, which obviously I'm a huge fat foodie. And so the other day when I was doing my daybreak at Del Mar, he like walked by and I was like, Hey, what are you eating for lunch? I think he thought I was like a complete weirdo. <laughs> I don't think he knew who I was. Oh, that's funny. Well, we'll find out today. We will find yeah, right? out. I'll be like, Hey, you know, it was me the other day that asked you about lunch. Right. Um, we have a very important subject to talk about and I'm going to totally turn it do. over to you. It's I'll, I'll introduce it and then you you give the breakdown and then we can discuss uh, today. It was announced that there is a new thoroughbred safety coalition coalition. It was formed to promote change throughout the industry. It appears that every organization or maybe every important organization is involved, including Naira, Churchill Downs, Stronach Group, Keeneland, Delmar, Delmar, Keeneland and Breeders Cup. So, Michelle, talk a little bit about this and, and, and where, what does this mean for the industry? Uh, so obviously we are at this big crossroads in our industry. So the reason that it's great is because we have some of the biggest names, um, that control their kind of little corners of racing coming together for this safety coalition, uh, between Churchill, Naira on the Stronach Group, Delmar and Keeneland, that encompasses at least 14 different tracks in like seven different states. So, uh, you know, once the, and these are the big boys, right? So once the big boys are on board, it should be easier to get the smaller guys on board. And one of the big complaints is we have no national uniformity for medication, for anything like that. So this is kind of designed to help do that by um, putting in regulatory bodies and inst instituting house rules that will put forward changes um, that will lead to uniformity in these aspects that I've mentioned, including um, you know withdrawal times for medications, LASIK standards, medical records at entry time, uh, increased withdrawal time for NSAIDs, so stuff like that. And all of them, all of these big names doing it together is hoping to steer the narrative, um, you know, more in a in a more positive way. All right, so let me ask you this. This is the simple question I have. Why is this taking so long? Why? Why? Obviously, this is the time to do it. But why is it taking so long, Michelle? That's what kind of bothers me. I mean, why? I, I would probably say part of it is because a lot of pride goes on in racing, and a lot of there's a lot of not hate, but you know bickering, right? Like, okay, Naira wants to be the best. Churchill wants to be the best. Uh, Stronach wants to be the best. Delmar and Keeneland uh, or Delmar and Saratoga, they fight for who's the best. You know what I mean? So yeah. no one wants to say like, you know what? You're right. Your idea is the best. So we're going to follow you. So, you know, like, look, when Santa Anita came up with all of these, you know, big new ideas and plans cool. and put these house rules in, it's not like every other race shock was like, woohoo, we're going to do this too. Because right. everyone wants to lead their own way and try to show that they're doing it right. So this 
doing it this way and everyone banding together and including Breeders' Cup in there, which is where our year-end championships, you know, are decided. Um, it kind of is like a clean slate and now we can all play together and play nicely. And I, I think the idea that once the big boys do it, the small guys are going to, it'll be easier to convince the jump on board too. And because we don't have anything national, this is like the first step towards something that could become national. Yeah, I think your point is is well made. I think for years, because each state had their own regulatory body and their own rules for horse racing, that this that this was almost impossible to do. It was impossible to get on the same page. I think because of the sparked interest from the media and the general public, um, this was an absolute necessity, and it is a good thing for the industry. It is something we should all get behind. And I just hope it has teeth. What I don't want to see, Michelle, is a bunch of quotes by our leaders that end up just being words. These, This needs to, again, have teeth. It needs to stick. And we all need to get behind it and abide by these rules so that the uh, public can get behind us, the handicappers and the gamblers and uh, and the players can get behind us because I think that they sometimes get overlooked, which is and they are a even in this I haven't heard anything about you know how uh, uh, do the handicappers get a say do the gamblers. So- I want to just jump on real quick and uh, as they were doing their presentation, they were kind of live tweeting here. So like Drew Fleming of Breeders' Cup says the objective of the TSC is to make the sport safer. Okay, Um, he says we need to get this right. We need and then Will Farmer, who is a veterinarian out here in Southern California, said we must make sure our medications are not misused or overused, and they will advocate for tracks, trainers, owners, and vets to abide by their standards. Um, Churchill Downs jumped in. The coalition is committed to operational reforms, including universal adoption of the voided claim rule. Um, He also says we need to ensure all horses are subject to random testing and that these reforms are not just on paper. They are changes that will be implemented. Tony Alivato of Naira said we will establish the safety committees at all participating racetracks for Naira. Um, Mike Rogers from Stronic Group said the track surfaces to medication reforms. This needs a 360 degree approach. Uh, Several different Vets said that they are getting behind the proposed reforms that will help protect the health and welfare of the horse. Keeneland came up and said, I know, uh, you know, people love horses. There's reforms, but there is more to do. And then they opened up the floor for questions. So I haven't gotten to see the questions yet. Like I said, I haven't gotten to watch the entire um, presentation. Listen, everyone's saying the right thing. Right. Everyone's saying the right thing. So now we have to see how this comes together, how it's put into play and how they are following the lead. You know, I have to give credit to Southern California. Um, You know, we've been we've been bashing our own you know, state and our own uh, uh, players in the state for not really getting ahead of this media uh, onslaught or avalanche. Mm -hmm. And it seems like. Thankfully, the rest of the horse racing community is finally joining up with Southern California on these reforms, and hopefully we will create a safer environment for our horses. I think that's the bottom line. Right. Exactly. Right. So that was that's that big news for today. 
Now, and Michelle, I think I we saw- just have to remember too, Billy, that like as we say, okay, like you know, take the Lasix phase out that we're already going through here in Southern California, where it's going to be the the yearlings that we bought the cells this year will not be able to run next year on Lasix. People have to remember it's not overnight, and that's not in the best interest of anyone for a change like that to be overnight. It does take acclimation, and you know, we need to learn how to handle slides, not be instant. Yeah. I agree. Well, it says here in an article at the, on the racing forum, it says, notably, the coalition on Tuesday did not mention Lasix at all, preferring to leave that thorny issue off the table in order to attempt to build a consensus on the less controversial issues it plans to pursue. So I'm sure we'll hear about Lasix down the line. I read an interesting story today that one of my favorite people is actually leaving Southern California, and that's jockey Joe Talamo, yeah, who's going to take JT. his back to uh, Kentucky and Oaklawn. Um, taking his family with him, which is a big loss. We love Elizabeth and the two boys. Um, but Michelle, you brought up a good point with the uh, less opportunities here in Southern California. Looks like three day a week racing is kind of here to stay. Um, that um, some of these guys are going to need to go where they can actually uh, make more money. I think that was your 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 take on it, right? I mean, you got to go where you can ride more horses. Um, you know, the, the DRF article that was put out, I mean, a couple of years ago, Joe was riding like a thousand horses a year and last year he rode like 509 or this year, you know, so the just amount of horses it when it goes down obviously leads less horses for the number of riders to, to go around, right? Right. And you, you made a good point, too. You've said that Joe was working a lot for Bob Baffert in the mornings. And you've seen we've seen this before with whether it's him or Drayden, Van Dyke or Martin. Martin. Garcia. Um, when you ride for Baffert in the morning, sometimes it affects you in the afternoons. I don't want to put all the blame on that, but I thought it was a valid point by you, Michelle. Yeah. I mean, you know, when when you know that you want Joe to ride your horse, but he is tied up with Bob Baffert horses. It's like, now, do you want to go work um, the probable Kentucky Derby favorite, or do you want to come work my 12-5 non-2? And, you know, you, you, you definitely can't blame him, but at that point, if, like, say the horse is quirky or something, you might need to put someone else on him. So... All right, well, we've gotten those two big news items out of the way. I, I, Ronan, if you're listening, let's bring in Don Chatlos to the conversation. This is going to be, I, I, I've been looking forward to this. We called Donnie this morning. We were supposed to talk to uh, Jamie Roth. All today. She was unfortunately sick. I called Don last minute. I said, I think he'd be a great guest and we could really get into your story, which is probably one of the most fascinating um, ownership training stories. Hello. I, there he is. Don, welcome to the Horse Ownership Experience. It's Billy, Koch, and Michelle. Hi, you. Don. Hi, how are you? I was just saying, Don, that I've obviously known you for a long time, and I think you have one of the most incredible horse racing journeys of, of anybody in this game. So we've got a little bit of time today. Before we get into Singletary, your comeback with OXO, your return to Southern California, take take our audience back a little bit and just talk about your um, your history in the game, even before we met when you first came to Southern California. Well, I originally came, well, I grew up on the track and I, you know, my parents really wanted me to go to college, which is not really what I wanted to do, but trying to please them, I, I came to San Diego state and, uh, went to school here and made it through one year. And when we got to the summer here, I am a broke college student and looking at these minimum wage jobs around 
San Diego State area, and I'm like, why am I going to do this when I could go groom horses at Del Mar and make five <laughs> times the money that you know the, the other guys are making? And uh, I did that, came up here to Del Mar, where I'm at right now, and uh, got lucky and got a job right away. And seeing the difference, you know, I used to only read about this stuff in the racing from New York and California. Chicago wasn't, other than Arlington Park, it wasn't really an A circuit. And uh, then once I got here and saw what this was about, it's like going from from uh, single A baseball to the big leagues. I mean, it, it was just incredible. And I uh, then followed the track back up to L.A. And uh, that's going to be, God, that was 1985, if you could believe wow. it or not. So it's going to be 34 years now. That's amazing. That's amazing. So you come here, you had a couple of odd jobs, you went out on your own a couple of times. I'm going to speed forward. You start working for Ron Ellis, and that's where I met you. And, and for the people who don't know, and even in the first conversation with Don, he's a charming guy. He knows a lot about races He's and about horses. He's very opinionated, as Michelle commented on Twitter before you came on. So that's that's okay. <laughs> um, but you're working for Ron Ellis. You and I become friends. And, and you want to buy one horse. And I think this is a great story, and it's an interesting story. And I, I remember it, but I'm going to let you tell it. So you go to – I say to you, man, let's get a horse together. I want you to train this horse. And you go to Ron Ellis, who was your boss at the time, and what happens? So he, he, he was on the fence. He didn't really know how to, to handle it. He was worried. You know, he had another assistant at Santa Anita that, well, you know, if I let Don get one horse and keep it at the barn, are we going to go through this on the other side? So he really wasn't, um, he was torn on, on how to handle it. And, you know, I, I, in my gut, I knew it was time, you know, for me to do my own thing. So I wasn't really asking permission to get the horse. I was going to get the horse no matter what. It was more if do you still want me to work for you with this one horse or am I going to have to, you know, go on my own with one horse and uh let's see what happens <laughs> and, and have and, faith and, and have and, <laughs> and, and we and we've had the, you know you know the story we we've talked about it many times and and so i did i i i stayed with ron for you know a couple more weeks and helped him out through christmas it was the end of the year we bought the source spoon man and uh, i'll never forget after you know i i'm done with ron there is no more guaranteed paycheck and I walk into the barn where I had Spoonman, and it's just him and me, and I'm staring at him, looking at him like, man, I've got everything riding on you. <laughs> and what did, we, what did we run seven seconds in a row with him yeah. to start off? Yeah, and Chio, <laughs> and Chio almost died when he won, when he fell down. Yeah, exactly. Um, but we so won with Lafitte Pinkai. That's right. We won with Lafitte Pinkai, and, and all of a sudden, you know, Little Red Feather started going, and, and we, we raised a little bit of money. And we sent Don to Florida. He said, I got this guy in Florida. He wants me to come look at some horses. Can you raise some money? And I'm going to go look at some horses. And this was, you know, we were just starting out. I knew nothing. I basically had uh, Don. I was relying on Don for pretty much everything. And you go to Florida and you're standing in a field. And it, give us that story because I think it's important. Well, there's a bunch of stories, obviously, because Singletary went on to win the Breeders' Cup, so everybody's going to, you know, tell their own version of how it happened. But this is exactly how it happened. <laughs> I had been in Ocala for three days and looked at a bunch of horses. Now, these guys don't know that I don't have any real money. They don't know what I have, so they're showing me everything. And so I had already seen a couple. One had was General Zod, who, you know, ended up being General Zod. We really liked him at general meeting. 
and then I Miss You was the other one. Yep. Um, so there, there, there was still we could still squeeze one more in if the price was right. So, but we're getting to the end of this trip, and all these horses are starting to look the same to me. And the last two are coming out, but these are big money horses. You know, for us at the time, they wanted I think one fifty for one and one twenty five for the other. Well, that was our whole budget or more than. And by pure luck, the son came out and said, Dad, we got one horse from the other barn that we didn't take. Do you want us to take them with these two? And he said, yeah, yeah, send them. So they send the horse out, and he comes out, and he's galloping with these other two that he wants all his money for, step for step, a mile and a half. He's, he's right there with them the whole way. And I was like, God, oh, you know, that one doesn't look too bad. You know, what are, what are you, you, you know, looking for for that one? So anyway, like, you know, we made a deal. We had 100000 for all three horses. Well, that third horse ended up being Singletary. That's absolutely a true story, Michelle. That's exactly how it happened. So wait, was that guy not like, okay, I have a question now. Was that guy really not like intentionally showing you Singletary at all? Like, No, I'm telling you, these guys that obviously later on went on to say, oh, yeah, we knew he was a great horse. They were trying to talk me out of him. They said, you don't want new owners in a horse like that. He's going to take forever to get ready. And, you know, you want your guys to get action right off the bat. And little did they know that's the only one I could afford. So there really wasn't <laughs> a decision making to be made. <laughs> that's a true story. I mean, no. I don't, you know, I've never even heard, I mean, well, I actually have heard, but like the sire, the the pedigree on him too. You know, it's a start in Mare, although Sultry I guess song. back in that day, it's like a little bit more common, right? But yeah, sultry song. It's not fancy by any means. And no. it wasn't turf. And turf was a total accident too. So we send Singletary down here to Del Mar. You know, my whole 34 years in California has been tied to Del Mar one way or another. And uh, so we sent Singletary down there. I stayed at Hollywood Park for the summer. We sent Singletary down there because he needed to work from the gate. And once Hollywood closes, they only have the little gate. I want them to work from the big gate. So I had a horse to run here anyway. So we sent Singletary with them so that he could breeze out of the gate. The horse breeze super only um i'm gonna forget his name bill you're gonna have to help me uh, yeah the um the horse of baffords that won the breeders cup juvenile at uh, arlington park oh, is geez. the only one that worked faster than him that morning and uh yeah. so you know we were we knew we were in decent company but anyway make a long story short here at delmar if you've ever been stable here you know the horses love to eat the dirt when they get here so Singletary's digging holes and he's eating his dirt and we get him on the van after the races and send him home. Well, I come into the barn Hollywood Park the next morning and his jaw is swollen like a basketball. <laughs> he got a piece of chicken wire in the dirt that he was eating in his jaw. What? So we yeah. Had, yeah. We had to send him to Alamo Pintado, who I, God rest his soul, Dr. Hertel helped me so much over the years. He was a great friend. And he gets Singletary out there and you know, he's, he's got to make sure that that infection is just localized and doesn't go into his bloodstream or anything like that. Anyway, he was fine. They sent him back to me in a couple of weeks. So he missed his original dirt start. So then we get into Oak Tree and I told Billy, you know what? This horse is probably better run six and a half down the hill. You know, they get a good experience. They don't get dirt kicked in their face. And uh, then, you know, we had this running on nitro that every clocker in the world said there's no way this horse could lose. He was three to five. And we just drilled them. We were 30 to 1, Michelle. Yeah, 
30 to 1. <laughs> Wait, every clocker in the world was on him and you were 30 to 1? How no, is that possible? No, he was on, he was, they were on, they were on, well, oh, on Ward another horse. And on Nitro. Okay, know? got it, got it. Well, we know we know the Singletary story, and we've talked about it. And there, there was never an experience where this is called the horse ownership experience. We're talking to Don Chatlow. Well, so Don, did you buy in on all three of those with Little Red Feather when you picked them out? No, no, just no. Singletary. Okay, yeah, <laughs> he was the only smart one. <laughs> True story. Hey, but we we won with I miss you with Pinkai. She was yep. good, and General Zod. He just had. One little problem after another, but he was going to be, he was cut out to be a decent horse too. Yeah, absolutely. But we, listen, we know the Singletary story. We know he went on to win the Breeders' Cup. We know you were riding high. And the one question that so many people have asked me over the years, and I want to just clear it up now, um, and I'm going to give you a chance to talk about you as they say, what happened to Don Chatlos? And the truth of the matter was, I mean, I don't think I've ever said a bad word about you to anybody. I think you just went through some stuff. You went through a lot of personal stuff. And I think we're, let's give you the opportunity here to say, hey, okay, you were riding high. Singletary wins a Breeders' Cup. He has a great five-year-old year. He finished, loses the next Breeders' Cup. You had some good clients. And then kind of everything went south. Give us just, tell us in your words, kind of what happened. Well, it was a twofold thing. One was obviously, you know, very well, the drop off from Singletary to our next horse was a big drop off. There was sure. no follow up. We, we had a really good follow up horse in the Hizzy. He was going to be the next one. Had a heart attack at Santa Anita. Um, and I mean, that really yeah. threw me for a loop, that whole thing. Yeah. But Divide and conquer. What about what about divide and conquer? Divide, he, had, he was a wobbler. impressively first time out. You know, was going into the Delmar Futurity looking like he was one of the ones in another one that 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 just a freak thing. Yeah. And and so that took definitely an emotional toll. My horses, you know, they mean a lot to me. And you could work for people, and they could teach you all about taking care of horses. They could teach you all about the business. They could teach you about everything. The one thing they can't teach you is how to handle success. And we experienced success very rapidly. And now it turns into, uh, you know, I'm going out to these places in Hollywood where, you know, you got Paris Hilton and, and Kim Kardashian still standing online and I'm walking in. <laughs> and that, that stuff becomes very addicting. I got more addicted to the going out, which is not conducive to training horses at all. And, you know, it just snowballed into this big thing. It was, it was, I never really was a drug guy or alcohol guy. That really wasn't my thing, but I was really addicted to the going out. I, I really liked it. And you cannot train horses and do that at the same time. You just can't. And my business just fell apart. And where did you, uh, and, you know, I think it's really neat that you can look back and say that about yourself. It's hard. I think self-reflection is very difficult. I think we all have to grow. Like I said, when, when we first started, I didn't know anything. I, 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 I tell Michelle this all the time. I learned something about horse racing every single day. Um, sure. well, what, so where, where did you go? Because we know we're going to get to the comeback, which, which I love. We're going to get to the comeback and working for Jerry Hollendorf. What happened in those years? Where was Don Chatless? Well, I was knocking around a little bit still here with horses that weren't very good, that weren't going to get me anywhere. And, and you know, just caught up in this depressed, um, feel sorry for yourself uh, whole thing. 
And, you know, I finally got my moment of clarity, like people like to say. And I said to myself, look, dude, what are you going to do here? I says, what is the best plan of attack to get yourself going instead of just wandering around like you're doing? And I said to myself, the best thing to do is go back home where it all started. I said, that's what you need to do. You got to shut this down out here and go back home. And it was perfect timing because my dad was going through serious health problems that he was going to have open heart surgery where the doctor said he only had a 40% a 40% chance to even make it through the surgery. And then if he did make it through, the rehab was going to be very intense. And he was living by himself at the time. He didn't, you know, my sister has her own life and her own kids. And I was the one that really wasn't tied to anything. So I went home and in the beginning I took care of him and, you know, it was great to smooth that relationship over because, of, you know, you know my story. It didn't have the greatest relationship with my dad. And uh, then my uncle, who has 50 horses in Chicago, Brian Williamson, um, he called me and said, hey, what are you doing? I got to get you off the couch. You know, let's get you back going. And I went out to Arlington and started working for him and uh, watching these, you know, California, the racetrack here is a lot like Hollywood very flashy you're going to see the best horses you're you get back to chicago these are these mom and pop operations where they're galloping them and grooming them and doing you really get the love back that i originally came to california with uh i mean look they're barely getting by and they're coming in in the morning with an attitude like you know they have justify in the barn it's it was just something that i really needed to see again and so then that led to Jerry calling me and offering me a job here. And then that Thank fit you, into Don, my plan. Don, because yeah, let me stop you right there. Did you have a relationship with Jerry Hollendorfer or how did that come to be? I Well, I did because when I worked for John Sadler, I used to claim the horses for him down here before Larry Benavides started doing it when I worked for John. So we knew each other from that. And then there was a guy from Chicago here doing equine therapy that kept telling Jerry, you know, Don's in Chicago, not he's working for his uncle, but that's not really where he wants to end up. And then when they made the move from Pomona to Los Alamitos with his two-year-olds, he really needed somebody over there. And uh, so that's how that whole thing happened. But it fit into my plan because the only thing that, like I said, for me, myself, losing, if you have a bad reputation on the track, as far as work ethic goes, as far as getting there in the morning and taking care of your horses, no one's going to trust you with any good horses. There's no way they could do that. So I said to myself, if I could go to work for Hollendorfer and I could get there at three o'clock in the morning, which I did for four and a half straight years, I never took one day off. I says, if people can't see that I'm back from that, then they didn't want to see anything good about me anyway. Right. That's a great point. And what, so what was it like working for Hollander? He's called the little yeah. general. I, I, I mean, how, what, what is that like? Let me tell you, it's the most intense thing. It, it would be like going to Bill Belichick's coaching staff. Right. You know, it's got to be done right every single day. That's the one thing about that program is you don't just get there at three and do it the way he wants you to do it on the days you feel good or the days you got enough sleep or you do it every single day and and that's what i'll take away from that the most is the is that attention to detail and that intensity of getting it done right every single day Don, so when you go to work for someone and you've already been you know your own trainer and a successful one at that is it 
hard or challenging to like fall into someone else's way of doing things? No, not really, because where I was at at that point, I had been far enough away from training on my own that uh, I didn't, you know, that didn't bother me at all, especially, you know, with a, a big personality like Jerry. Um, if I would have done it for somebody that was closer to my age or something like that, it might have been a little different. But, you know, there was nothing but respect for him when I walked in that barn and it was easy to follow that his lead. Yeah, and then and then as we go forward, you were put in kind of a tough situation with the whole OXO Larry Best thing. Talk to a little bit about Mr. Best and talk about the move to New York, and then we'll get to the move back to California. Well, every good lady. That's right. <laughs> that's the first one. Got him to the Kentucky Derby, finished fourth. I mean, that's a hell of a horse to have for the first one that you bought. And uh, so we had a really good relationship. He's a down-to-earth, blue-collar guy from Akron, Ohio, you know, there's no flash or no, nothing like that about him. And, uh, so as he's moving forward and buying more horses and more horses, he's realizing that in order to make these horses worth what he's paying for them, he really has to go back East and win some of those races through the spring and summer, you know, going through Saratoga and stuff like that where Delmar, he had his, it's funny because he won his first grade one here at Delmar in the Delmar Oaks. Um, he, you know, but as far as dirt goes and there, you know, we just don't have the three-year-old program through the summer here on the dirt. And uh, so he went to Jerry and said, look, I think we really need to start something back East and, you know, see if, if we can make it work. And if we can't, this was totally experimental when we went there this year. And, uh, Let's see if we can make it work. Well, obviously, he has the stock to move wherever he wants to go. You know, he could take these horses anywhere. And so we get back there, and we're getting settled in, and then, bam, June 22nd comes and changes everybody's life. Right. Jerry Hollendorfer. So Santa Anita, he, you know, says that he's out. And, you know, we have Martin Panza in New York, who, you know, he was such a big help through all of this stuff. And uh, so for a four-day period, we thought he's going to be okay in New York. And I'm thinking, okay, he'll come with me here. We'll get through Saratoga, put the Southern California horses in Dan's name. And, you know, by the time we get back from Saratoga, this will all be done. You know, that's it. Well, as we know, four days later, Naira said no there. And, you know, now Larry's sitting here with nine horses in New York, like, okay, what are we going to do? And... You know, like I like I told Brittany Ayrton in the interview before the first one that I ran here, it was such a bittersweet pill that there was no, you know, in a situation like this, you get an owner like Larry Best, you know, it's a big celebration, you know, and there was none of that because you, I liked Jerry a lot. You know, he was good to me in all that time. And, you know, you don't, for me, I don't want to get success from somebody else's problems and that's the way it happened but you know mr best is a businessman and he is a very good one and you know he told me he said don look these horses are going somewhere else anyway he said do you want to hold your own future in your hands or do you want to let somebody else hold it and i said no i, I have to i have to grab this and, and run with it that's it that's it's it's English. that seems to have horses on the east coast with chad brown right if i'm not mistaken yes so yes. i mean was it 
awkward at all to be out there with like the second string and like he's still sending horses to like other people and then it's you with just his? No, you know what? It was good. Chad Brown was really good, you know, with the whole thing. I mean, there was there was a couple instances. One was with Jerry that Chad had a horse ready to run an allowance race for Larry and we had Rowayton and Rowayton really needed to run where the other horse had run already and you know, we kinda bumped him and Rowayton won that allowance race. And then later when we got back from Saratoga, I have Monday Call who won here the other day. She was ready for a maiden race there, but Larry had um, a filly that dumped the rider at Saratoga and got loose and didn't get to run that day, and she really needed to run. So it worked good. I mean, it, for me, there's no So you no, did work no in problem. partnership with the other trainer? Yeah, I mean, when it came to Larry's horses, that, you know, that's, we, we weren't going to run them against each other. So, you know, both sides saw the other guy's side and said, yeah, his horse needs to run more than mine does, so we'll just wait. When was the decision made to come back to Southern California for this fall meet? And Don, are, is the intention to stay here in Southern California? Well, we, we always intended on coming back. That was the plan. You know, Chad goes to Florida for the winter and then we were going to come here for the winter. And as it sits right now, our plan is to go back at the end of April. We're, you know, sitting down and talking to Larry Bobby Frankel already laid out the, the blueprint, how to do this the right way. If you have the horses to do it and, you know, you go back at, right before the Derby and you go through spring and summer in New York into the fall, come back at Breeders' Cup time and stay here for the winter. Yeah. And I know you're a big Bobby Frankel fan. I think it was his, his birthday the other day. Um, and, and I actually thought of you, but let's, uh, let's, Let's talk a little bit about Southern California right now. Obviously, the landscape is so different. We, Michelle and I were just talking about the new um, safety alliance that was uh, laid out this morning or the safety coalition. Um, as a trainer out here that has been here, you know, you were here 20, 25 years ago. Now you're back here now. What's your feel on this whole landscape? Well, <clears throat> you know, we could fight it as much as we want, which makes no sense the times are changing and we have to change with them. And, you know, if you want to come to the barn and take a blood on my horse or pull my horse out and jog them, take them out. If that's what's going to keep this game going and going to keep these horses safe. And then, you know, we talk so much about the horses in breaking down. There are humans on their backs too. And, you know, as long as everybody walks away from the race in good shape, whatever protocols you have to put in place to make that happen, uh, you know, we're, we're, might as well stop crying about it and just get with it. Yeah, that's a good point. Michelle, you wanted to talk with Don about his Twitter approach. Yeah, Don, <laughs> you're so aggressive on Twitter, aren't you? <laughs> what, what is the deal? I, I really want to talk about the other day I was uh, at Del Mar and I yelled at you about food and I don't think you know who I was. <laughs> Oh, I did. I did. <laughs> you were very like, oh, why is this weird chick asking me about my food? Um, no. But it was all from Twitter. It's because I, I follow you on Twitter. What I have to ask, have did Hollendorfer never get mad at you for the shit that you would say? He, you know what? There was one incident. There was one. And, I, you know, I've since had to really... You know, when you work for Jerry, you ever seen Jerry after a race when a horse runs or didn't run the way that he thinks it should have ran how he gets? Very you know, when you work there, you start to get like that, too. 
So, and, and I feel so bad because this is the nicest guy that you're ever going to Is this meet. when you attacked Mike Smith? I didn't attack him. Let's not <laughs> take it that far. I didn't even say it. It was like, I think Mike Smith should retire or something like that. No, no. I said we put in all this work for that right there. And everybody knew exactly what that was. And so Jerry, they came, you know, Jerry came to Los Alamos. He's like, Don, I don't know anything about the social media stuff, but something's going on. You're making people mad. <laughs> and I said, you know what? I said, you're right. I said, I'm not, I won't put anything else there. And I should have never put that in the first place. It was just an instant reaction after a race. And well, then of course I, I come back to Southern California. And who do I win my first race with? Mike Smith. Nah, cause he's the greatest. <laughs> but I think, Did you know, he say anything to you about it? Was he like, Hey, remember that? I mean, I don't think he's on social media really. He, no, we, no, we talked about it. He came to the barn too. Oh, he did. And he said, Don, he said, Don, if you have a problem, just tell him, say it to me. And I said, you know what? You're hundred percent right. I'm sorry. I should have never done that. Yeah, I did. I did that after the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Turf. <laughs> did you? <laughs> hey, but you know what, Michelle, I'm going to say something about Don that that is, is a positive. And this has been hopefully, Don, I, I told you when we were going to come on that this would be positive. You know, Don has never been someone that's going to mince words. He's going to tell you how he feels. And Don is a guy who is extremely confident in his abilities. And he should be. How many people out there have have won a Breeders' Cup? And I think it's OK. And I, I'm not a big Twitter, as Michelle knows, I'm not a big Twitter guy. I'm not a fan. I, I just I don't like the negativity. But. I, I do appreciate that Don is not afraid. And I think that's important, and especially in the business that we're in. And he needs to, you know, he doesn't know. I'm speaking out of place here, Don, let me know. But, you know, ultimately, if he's here to stay, you know, Larry Best might not always be the guy. He's got to try to attract new people and attract new clients. And if he ultimately wants to come back to, San, uh, to you know, California full time, then that's what he's going to have to do. Don, am I saying anything out of line? No, not at all. Yeah. But I, I, I want to tell one quick story because yeah. of, of Twitter last night. Now, there were some people <laughs> that, that got very upset last night because the Eric Johnson, Princess Dorian stories, these people were rubbed the wrong way that it sounded like those uh, a celebrity like Eric Johnson is the only one who does something like that to save a horse. And I can see where they're coming from. And yeah, but they have to understand too that he is a celebrity, so that is going to bring press. But I had a horse that had a that re-injured a tendon, and he was not going to make it as a racehorse. And so, but he was going to make a great riding horse. So while we were looking to rehome that horse, he colicked, and we had to send him to Chino Valley. And they did, you know, they kept him for a couple of days. He was getting worse. And then they finally said, look, the only way we're going to be able to save this horse is to do the surgery. He, it just has to be done. So I called the owner, you know, this is a horse that we're going to give away as a riding horse after this. And I called the owner. I said, look, the only way we could save this horse is to do the surgery. It's going to cost $6,000. And, but the prognosis is really good because he's going to be a riding horse. And without hesitation, he said, do the surgery. And we did it. The horse was fine. That horse was all out rush. Yep. The owners were little red feather racing, and Billy Koch gave the okay to do the surgery. Well, I appreciate that. We, uh, we're always trying to do the best, the best for our horses. We love them. Don, I cannot tell you how exciting it is. You had an awesome win the other day that we didn't even get to with Monday Call. We, we, we are rooting for you. 
We are this this journey that you've done. I've said it again. I'll say it again. Has been incredible. And I think I think everybody at Little Red Feather, and I think other people, you know, the Janine Sahadis of the world that really know you, are so proud of you and the way you've bounced back. And I don't think I could speak highly enough about it. And Michelle, you saw, I, I think you heard from Don, his own, I've used this word again, self-reflection. And I think it's really important that you have taken accountability for, for what happened and you're, you're good with it. And I think everybody else is too. So um, that, that's my final word. And we appreciate you spending the time with us today. Definitely well, thanks for having me. Thank yep. you. Thank you. Continued success. And I'm around. So let's make sure we get together and have uh, have some have a lunch or a dinner or break bread. You know, he, you know where he likes Billy. He likes cr crust. Oh, you yep. like pizza. Yeah. Oh, I was there the other night. OK, we're going to do a crust. We'll do a crust dinner. All right. And maybe right. I'll even bring Sounds Michelle. Good. Yeah. There you go. All right. All right. Don. Continued success, my friend. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, bud. That's Don right. Chatlos here on the on the uh, horse ownership experience. Michelle, uh, your own reflection of that. I thought it was super interesting to get to hear. I didn't I, like I said. I don't think I've ever like actually met Don before, and so um, to get to hear his story was really good. I'm glad that knowing that he was an owner um, because then it still fits our you know right. whole genre and everything. I think that he's very, I've always thought, you know, he's very candid and I really appreciate that about him. So I'm a fan now. Yeah, I think, and I think, you know, one of the things, and we talked about Twitter and one of the things that happens is you get pigeonholed in your kind of what I'll call a Twitter attitude, right? Right. And, you know, look, Twitter has given everybody a voice. You and I have talked about this ad nauseum. And, and, People that you know, don't actually need a voice. Right. And, and I think it's funny. Not funny. I, maybe funny is the wrong word. But Don learned a lesson. Like, <laughs> you have to kind of be careful. You know, you can't. I've learned that lesson so many times. It's like right. not even funny. Right. But it is great. And, you know, uh, you know, we need. Listen. At the rate that we're going and, and jockeys leaving and trainers leaving, you know, it's nice to have him and, and Mr. Best uh, here at Del Mar for the fall meet. And he said, you know, through April. So we'll see him at Santa Anita when Santa Anita opens the day after Christmas. Michelle, we have about five minutes left and we didn't do any of our normal race recaps. So, yeah, is there so there was only a couple of little races. Um, anyways, I think the most uh, graded stake was the Bob Hope high velocity won that. And then Mr. Misunderstood won the River City at Churchill. Okay. Did I thought High Velocity one? was pretty visually impressive. Okay. He got a really good number, too. Um, he's dutifully bred. He's a quality road out of uh, a mare named Kettle Twist, who was a really good mare. And that's a Gary Mary West horse, so good for them. Uh, as Gary West needs to fund his uh, litigation account, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> if Billy, I just... If it was you and you owned this horse, would you continue to fight? Just, I mean, would you? I don't, I, I listen, I don't. So I don't really have to answer that quite that hypothetical question, but I, I don't think I would have sued in the first place. Uh, oh, okay. You know, I just don't, it's, you know, I, I just, I think it's too much. It's enough. People know he won the Kentucky Derby. Okay. We talked about this with his breeding potential. And I think there'll be some kind of asterisk. And I don't think people are going to say because he got DQ'd, his value changes. He's going to run in the grade one cigar mile. He could still be three year old of the year. And I think they should stop. 
Which, by the way, he is actually going to be contending with Spun to Run, who won the Dirt Mile beating Omaha Beach in the Cigar Mile. Um, uh, yes, sir. That's yeah, pretty I that's interesting, right. I think. Um, also, Maxfield, who was um, Brendan Walsh's cult for the juvenile, Breeders' Cup juvenile, and got scratched. <laughs> he uh, underwent surgery to remove a chip. And he's going to get 60 days and then join Brendan's Florida string. Right. Uh, another jockey that has moved is Ken DeSormo. He's going to be based at the fairgrounds now. Awesome. Good for and, him. Uh, and according to social media, he has found God as well. Uh, yeah, I did see that also. <laughs> um, and then one thing which I thought was uh, this will be like kind of an aftercare corner. Yeah. I don't know if you have necessarily like paid close attention to what happens like overseas, but over in Korea, it's they're supposed to track all the horses from the time they brought into the country until like, you know, through their whole lives. And they have had a significant number of X resources that get slaughtered um, for human consumption. And their aftercare is not. On par with what I think we like to see for aftercare in, in America, to put it that way. And um, the International Forum for Aftercare of Racehorses was actually invited by Korea to present all these different seminars about the options that are going to be um, available in the future now for uh, X racehorses that are Korean based. That's great news. Yeah, so I thought really that was good. very cool, and they were. I mean, it's nice that the, the, that Korea is also taking into consideration that you know they might need to update their practices, and because of that, um, yeah. I think do that's this. great news. I think that's really cool. I know we have no racing on Thursday, but we resume we have no on racing, Friday. Correct. Um, and first post at twelve thirty for that. Saturday we have races, including the Native Diver Stakes. I'm doing uh, Daybreak at Del Mar, eight to ten in the morning. The last 30 minutes of that gets really wild because there's no horses. The training is done. It's just like me and a microphone, and sometimes we get aqueduct. Uh, well, it's the craft. Well, should, I, should I come hang out with you? Yeah, come hang out. All right. <laughs> like last week, there was like 10 of us just sitting there like <laughs> shitting pretty much. All right. Um, it's the craft beer festival as well. And then Sunday is the Cara Grant Stakes, Toys for Tots, Taste of the Turf Club, and Delmar Happy Hour. Michelle, as always, great job. Thank you to Don Chatlos for coming on today and telling his story. I thought it was great. Um, thank you to Del Mar, Santa Anita, and uh, especially to uh, TaylorMade Stallions for sponsoring the show. We appreciate all you listeners. We hope you're enjoying these interviews. We really enjoy doing the show. Keep up the following. Send us stuff on Twitter, at Own a Horse, at the Michelle U, at BKLRF. Uh, and uh, if you have any questions about horse racing or horse racing ownership, feel free to email me, billy at littleredfeather.com. We'll be back again next Tuesday. Uh, Michelle, we have some big uh, turf racing. We have Thanksgiving. We have so many things happening next week. And sure we we'll sh- hopefully maybe we'll have Jamie back next week if she's feeling Hopefully we'll have Jamie Roth next week. That's, but a, for that's now, the reason why we don't prep early. <laughs> yes. But for now, enjoy the races this week. Stay dry. It's supposed to rain here in Southern California. And Michelle, you're the best. And I can't wait to see you this weekend. Oh, that's so nice. I can't wait to see you either. All right. We'll talk to you guys soon. See you, man. Adios. Bye. You're listening to The Horse Ownership Experience with Billy Koch and Michelle Yu. 
right here on LA Talk Radio. Midnight Storm, a brilliantly fast grade one winner by Pioneer of the Nile. Mike Smith just points him in the right direction. Midnight Storm dominating. Millionaire and seven-time graded stakes winner on dirt and turf. Midnight Storm over accelerators, finding the line well, but not well enough. And Midnight Storm has taken it by two lengths. From America's hottest sire line. Midnight Storm, he wins it this year. Midnight Storm. Standing at TaylorMade Farm.